I do like that that's the only time in the whole movie that that character is unsure about anything. Is if it's more painful to him to kill him in front of her or to kill her in front of him. Like he's like, I, I don't know. I can't decide. What should I do? And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 14. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films. And we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend, Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis. Today, we're going to talk about the band X-Ambassadors and the movie Mission Impossible. Possible three. Ooh, I've been excited for this uh, for this episode. This is we have taken a week off. Yes, we um, have for various reasons. I, you I can probably to think of. People can probably guess why, because the Oscars was last weekend. The Oscars were last Sunday, and I wasn't back in time from my Oscars party to record, and we we usually do this on Sunday, and it is not Sunday today either, and we'll talk about that, but uh, the Oscars were fun. I was much invested in the success of Everything Everywhere All at Once, and thus was very happy. I cried twice in the first two awards, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a funny, funny evening. It's always nice when your team wins. Yep, that's good stuff. I was I was really excited to see all the happy people. It was good stuff. Do you watch the Oscars? I do not watch the Oscars. I have not okay. historically watched a lot of movies, so that, that's yeah. pretty rough for the Oscars. Sure, I wouldn't have thought it was quite your thing, but uh, I I have watched the Oscars every year for as long as I can remember, uh, and, and definitely since I was 14 and realized I needed to be an actor, yeah. and so like I remember, oh man, I have so many versions of my of my own Oscars acceptance speech that I've written in my head over the years, yeah. and uh, all the people I want to thank, and uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's an emotional show for me because I want so very much to be part of that world in a more of a capacity than I am. And, um, uh, so it's, it's very inspirational, aspirational to me. Well, so. you know, on the, on the point of it being like sort of a personal thing, I remember the first time I was in LA for the Oscars, uh, which it was total accident. I had a friend who was attending grad school in Irvine and I drove mm -hmm. out to see them and, uh, we turned on the Oscars and all of a sudden I realized that's like 12 miles from here, right? Like Down I, the street. It was really it was really surreal for me to be like, oh, because up until that point, it had never occurred to me that like the Oscars is a place that you can go and yeah. and be there right I, I, was, a, yeah. I was like if we wanted to we could just go down that this is this was uh i don't i can't remember if it was pre 9-11 it was around the time of 9-11 and like we could have just gone down there and i that yeah. that just blew my mind i was like wait a minute it's real you can like just physically go to the place yeah it's it, that's a thing that's interesting in general about moving to la is over the years i have i've met people who who were almost you know, mythical in my mind, mm -hmm. and and you're just a regular person stopping in at Starbucks, yeah. and you know, it's like, oh hey, Tim Allen, yeah. hey, you know, Olivia Newton-John or whatever, I right, don't know. Right. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny. Last year, I got to walk the red carpet. Oh which right, was I remember. Last yeah. year, it was uh, surprisingly not red. This year, they wanted they made it champagne colored. Champagne colored. Weird reason, I don't know. But last year, I got to walk the red carpet uh, the day before the Oscars as part of my work and it was um it was 
it was really, really cool for me to do that. So uh, this week I I got back. So the reason we didn't record last night was because I was getting back from a ski week. I went to uh, Mammoth Mountain for their Big Gay Ski Week end. I'm not sure what they call it, but it's a big skate, big gay ski week, something. That's what they call it. And I had I, I grew up skiing, Wisconsin skiing, which uh, you'll know is is hills. Mm-hmm. Mostly hills. We have one actual mountain in Wisconsin, and uh, uh, but mostly it's hills, small enough that you don't have chairlists. You have uh, rope toes that pull you to the top. And but this man, Mammoth Mountain. If if anybody has the option or the uh, the chance to go, it was the experience of a lifetime. Matt, I I gotta say, I took some pictures, and um, it was the snow was just. Yeah. Just laying around the town we were in yeah. was 12 feet high. Yeah, and I mean, you guys had got to... some intense snow the last couple of weeks. Yes, so, yeah. they had to carve, like, like walkways through the snow, and it was just incredible. And the snow, and being at the skiing, what was interesting is that ever since I moved to L.A., I stopped skiing. And uh, because it was just a, it was expensive, and I was a poor actor. And uh, and the there is close by skiing in L.A., but it's always a little bit of a thing, you know, to get to it. But mostly it was being poor, and skiing is an expensive hobby and sport, I guess. And so I, I I'd say about twenty years went by between the time when I last skied in Minnesota and. When I went last year in, uh, I think, Big Bear, uh, and and it was like I'd never taken my skis off. Wow. I just picked it right back up. And so this year, skiing for the first time, and it was the best skiing of my life. The snow was amazing. The runs were long and amazing. I'd never ridden in a gondola before, and that was an experience. Uh, The the peak, the the top of the mountain, uh, what do they call that? The summit? The summit. The summit, thank you, was eleven thousand feet high, and and skiing down from that was an adventure. And so, yeah, just a really, really, really fun time. And uh, we were there from Wednesday until Sunday. Perfect weather while we were there, like just blue skies on Thursday and Friday, and then a little bit of clouds on Saturday. And then Sunday morning when we left is when it started to snow. And uh, apparently they're going to get another couple of feet of snow. Wow. I don't know, but uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was great, and I drove straight home to and, and had my friends drop me off at the UCB Theater. That's the Upright Citizens Brigade for my level three improv show graduation or improv class graduation show. Nice. And so I had to do that right away, and then we all hung out uh, afterwards to celebrate. Uh, it was a really fun show. Awesome. And. Uh, so, that, that is really exciting news. That all sounds it's, super fun. You know what? Fun. This podcast makes it seem like I have a super exciting life, and I don't think of myself that way, but uh, I always have something interesting to tell you. Yeah, this is true. This is true. I'm I'm excited because we went. W- there were times when we went years without talking, and uh, it's fun to get uh, the weekly updates and know that you're, like, doing the things, you know? I am so happy to have weekly updates. Honestly, I... I, I I worry about having a boring life, and um, you know, especially given that I'm in the, at the moment single, and uh, I feel like being boring would be like just I don't know unacceptable. Well, there there's a difference between you and I because I I definitely aspire to have a boring life most of the time. 
Right. But you've got so much else going for you. You have you have a wife and you have a daughter. You have dogs. You have a home. Yeah. You have all these things that I don't have, and I okay. I envy that. Uh, well, thank you. I you know so let's update on the dogs because okay. oh man. So this week my dog. I'm gonna skip to the end because I don't want to go through the whole thing. But my dog went to the emergency room again. She has pancreatitis. She's fine. We're, go- we're getting over it, but there was definitely a point around Friday afternoon when I was very, like, am I going to have to put down my youngest dog? Like, is that, you know, this is the dog that we got. That, so we we adopt greyhounds who are adopted when they're adults, right? And so you typically have a shorter time with them. We've talked about this. Yeah, we've talked about that. Um, yeah. But this dog we adopted, she, she, I don't think she was even quite two yet, which is very young to be able yeah. to adopt a greyhound. She never went to the track, and and so we're you know we kind of adopted her because we knew like. The, the, there are very few tracks left. We may not be able to get greyhounds in the future. So we want a dog that we're going to have like the whole life cycle. And then to have her have this pretty serious health crisis this last week and in three weeks ago. Um, uh, this is a continuation of, of the yes, thing that happened? Yes. So it, it, yeah. So it's a pancreatitis, uh, which is like a, a honestly, this one appears to be like idiopathic, meaning they don't know exactly what caused it. But uh, messed up her liver enzymes, and and so she's got to be on a low fat diet now, and uh, we got to kind of watch her to make sure she's not like stealing table scraps and things like that. We don't feed our dogs off the table, but she's very food motivated, and some you know mm. thing things happen. So so we have to make sure to crack the whip on her. But I think she's gonna be okay. Uh, but it was pretty scary there for a little bit. So. Wow, I'm so sorry to hear that. I yeah. know how how frustrating and and terrifying that can be to have no control over that kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, expensive too. It's also expensive. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. You do not have uh, a pet insurance for No, pets? when uh so with four dogs, um and especially with two of them being seniors, pet insurance would be uh 500ish dollars a month. Uh, wow. so yeah, wow. we just, we just set aside a certain amount of savings every month, uh, and, uh, you know, do it that way. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, shoot, I hope that, uh, so is it, has she gotten some medicine that's supposed to make yeah, it better? Yeah. So we're, we're working our way through it right now. She's on a, she's on a, uh, anti-vomit, anti-nausea drug, anti-nausea drug okay. right now. And uh, we've got her on the special food and all that good stuff, so Oof, she should be well. Okay. Good luck to her. What's her name? That is Pepper. 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 Do you have a salt? No, but she is black pepper. So. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Do you? What? How important are names to you for pets? Like I, we we I, generally try to keep their kennel names. Because they come, they oh. they have names that they come with, and oh, um, that makes you know, sense. A lot of people, a lot of people do change their names, and they generally adjust pretty well. Like we're not judgy about people who do change their names, but you know, mm-hmm. we like we like uh, that they come with names. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, I'm that that I don't know that makes perfect sense. I I I when I come up with names for like characters, I always or you know in books or movies or sketches even, I always put a lot of thought into character names and um and I dot seems on the face of it such a such a 
simple, simple name. And it was because she had a dot on her head. <laughs> and, but uh, like, I always like her, 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 what I considered her family name was, uh, um, uh, Dottie Doodle Richie. And then her, like <laughs> her, her, her pedigree name was a Savart's dot matrix. And, uh, <laughs> but we also, when we got a second dog, uh, my boyfriend and I, that dog's name was Pokey. Not only because she was a pokey little puppy, but also because of Pokey Dot, and uh, it went together. Very nice. And so, yeah. So we, I like, I, I just was curious about names. Cool. Um, well, let's say we uh, get into the uh, meat of the episode, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Well, what do you say? Oh, well, Should we... you want to shake things up and do the movie first? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's shake it up right. and do the movie first. So I, um, despite your despite your aversion to action movies that has previously been uh, a, a bone of contention on this very show, I wanted you to watch Mission Impossible 3. Uh, the Mission Impossible series is has ups and downs for me, but uh, starting with Mission Impossible 3, they had a couple of movies in a row that were pretty good. Mission Impossible 4 is my very favorite action movie of all time. and But I think that Part three informs it. And uh, one of the things about part uh, three is it came on the heels of Mission Impossible 2, which was directed by John Woo, which was uh, came out in 2000. And it was a very John Woo film. Like, uh, you know, he did um, he did Face Off. He did uh, uh, Broken Arrow, uh, movies that were very, like, emblematic of the 90s. Yeah. And uh, he had a very sp- particular style. And it... it it kind of took away. I think it stepped away from the 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 spyiness of Mission Impossible almost, and turned it more into an action movie. And I thought that Mission Impossible Three brought us back to not only the spyiness, but also did something really important to the character of Ethan Hunt, uh, which was. Uh, uh... <laughs> Why am I spacing on the biggest actor in the world, Tom uh, Cruise's Tom Cruise? character? Tom oh Cruise. My God. Wow. Uh, Tom characters. Tom, Tom characters. Cruise. Guys, so I have not had a lot of sleep over the last <laughs> several several nights. So um, I apologize. But uh, anyway, one of the things they did with Tom Cruise's character for part three and into part four was they made him fallible, which is that his plans don't always work and he's not invincible. He's not the I think part of the problem you have with action movies sometimes is that the characters seem invincible. And um, and I think that they make these movies uh, with part three and four, especially uh, so that like when he gets hit he he carries an injury with him and uh and and so it's like the he has to work harder and harder and harder as the movie goes on so that's the thing i love about it uh it was directed notably by jj abrams and it was it was his first movie uh i was unsure about that when i signed it but no it is in fact his first feature film and it was the most expensive feature film ever to be directed by a first time feature film director so that was pretty interesting he was um he was recruited by Tom Cruise after the initial director dropped out. Tom was uh, really liked his work on Alias, the TV series, which was another spy show, and uh, brought him on board to direct Mission Impossible. So, yeah. So I don't have the greatest knowledge of 21st century cinema. Remind me again mm-hmm. who J.J. Abrams is. What would I know him from? Okay, so J.J. Abrams, notably, uh, well, he came from TV originally, so he created, fel- uh, not Felicity. Felicity? 
And uh, it was a weird show that was like not spy or action-y. But then he created Alias, which was a big hit. And then he did uh, Lost, which was the really big hit. Uh, and also... Um, Oh, there was another one that I really liked, Fringe, which I really liked. But then, after he did Mission Impossible 3, he did movies like um, Cloverfield, Super 8, and then directed the Star Wars, or Star Trek reboot um, in 2009. Which and one? So, the 7? The, like, the, the, the first movie of the new trilogy? Yeah, the first one oh, okay. where Chris Pine was okay. uh, w- uh, was Kirk, and so and I think oh, he might have directed oh, the second one too. Oh, you said Star Trek. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. He did the well, Star Trek reboot. Okay. But he did Star Trek because he always loved Star Wars, but never thought he had the opportunity to direct Star Wars. But okay. then directed Episode Seven oh, okay. and Episode okay. Nine of the uh, Star Wars sequels. Okay. So. Yeah, big name. He is now a big time director. He's got okay, a production thanks. company that's uh, that's huge, and so yeah, that's who J.J. Abrams is. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so it, absolutely incredible that this went to a first time director. But I guess it makes sense given his his record in TV. Like it, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't just some, he wasn't a nobody. He, he wasn't, wasn't fresh some out kid of who showed up from Oklahoma and was like, "Hey, I've got a great idea. What if I directed exactly. Tom Cruise in a hundred million dollar film?" <laughs> You know. Yes, 150 million actually. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I we'll start with the big, the elephant in the room. I liked this movie. It was good. Um. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, I I did. Um. I rewatched it too, by the way, just to um just to good. kind of refresh myself with it. Yeah. Um. I'll tell you that I know that you're going to assign four, and my wife actually suggested we just go ahead and watch four. So mm. it was it was liked enough to be like, hey, I could go for another one of these. Uh, we great, didn't. Great, great. We have not I do watched want a four yet. I'm going to give you yeah. a palate cleanser, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, I do. I do want to watch four, but I knew that you had th- that intention, so we didn't watch it. But um, good, good. yeah. So what did I like about it? Uh, yeah, the action's pretty good uh, or really good. There, you know. <sighs> So the thing that I struggle with, right, is like the, oh, come on, right? Like, oh, come on, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. there's like a military attack on a bridge in, in uh, is that the Chesapeake Bay Bridge or is that in Florida? I can't remember. No, the, this bridge was off of, uh, in, in Virginia. I don't remember yeah, which one it it's is. It's the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, yeah. Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, and I like there's a military attack, uh, you know, on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge and everybody's just like, whoops, I guess that happens, right? You know, uh, so... I mean, are they? We don't see the fallout right. of that, but that doesn't exactly. mean there wasn't any. Uh, right, but, you know, and and then it turns out, like, that the... the it, I So is the... Ba- um, sorry, is Lawrence Fishburne the IMF director, or is he, like... Yes. Okay, okay. So yes. it turns out the IMF director is a, is baddie, and he's the one who's been allowing this stuff to happen in the U.S., but, like, you know... there. So there's there's a series of things that happen that you definitely have to like turn off and be like hush hush. No, well, no, it no, is no. an action movie. Right. I mean, well, just like it's an yeah. action it's an action movie, right? But it's also I like what I kept repeating to myself, and you'll like this is I had a mantra, which is uh-huh. like it's called the Impossible Mission Force. It's right. it's an impossible mission. 
It's not just right. a very difficult mission. It's an impossible right. mission, right? And I just sort of like every time that part of me that wanted to like hate how ridiculous the scenario was, like let you know, raised its head. I was like, it's an impossible mission, you know. Right. And and, yeah. and and so I, that got me through it. But that but that doesn't mean that I didn't like have a little bit of a problem with it, you know. Um, there are moments too that I, I I watch, and there are even technical like things where he puts he takes the picture and puts it in front of the camera, and uh -huh. you're like, well, it wouldn't be able to focus that close to yeah, you know, yeah. a, a photograph, and but but I'm like, okay, whatever, that's clear. yeah, and it happens I, so fast, and like yeah, you know, and and like sort of planning logistics for these incredibly complicated missions on like an extremely short time scale, you know, like, mm -hmm. but again, I like. If I wanted the whole podcast to be about things that happen that are impossible in the movie, well, I mean, it's an impossible mission. So, you know, congratulations. Yes. Mission impossible. Well, and this is why this is why I wanted to set you up for this one uh, first, because I think you'll enjoy things related to that about okay. part four. Okay. So let's talk about the other really big thing in this movie, which is Philip Seymour Hoffman and his performance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I understand why this is such an iconic performance. Like it's so like menacing and restrained uh, and two steps ahead and everything. And it's like, it's, it's really good. Right. <laughs> okay. I don't love it. You know, okay. like I, I, there are times when I feel like he's channeling Buffalo Bill from silence of the lambs. Right. Where he's just like well, that's his voice, right? Right. It's it's his voice and his cadence is very, and I'm just I, I'm gonna I'm gonna know, make her I'm gonna make I'm, her heart I'm gonna I'm make gonna, her pain I'm gonna make her I'm gonna, pain. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kill her I'm, I'm gonna, gonna make you watch you know like <laughs> I I'm gonna kill you in front of her yeah yeah and no I'm gonna kill her in front of you he is that's, dead that's, sir by the way like he, that's he, can't, the, he is not around to defend himself I do like that that's the only time in the whole movie that that character is unsure about anything is if it's more painful to him to kill him in front of her or to kill her in front of him like he's like ah no i can't decide what should i do <laughs> right like yeah that that i think is funny because he's a very you know like he's always two steps ahead he's always got a plan which negates tom cruise's plan well, he's always not always and i and I, I think one of the things i like about the character is that he was like he didn't do it on his own he had the help of the like ethan legit and his team legit captured him and right, you know, and that was unplanned and he was, you know, he was, but if, if they hadn't, if he hadn't been working with a mole inside the IMF, he would have been captured. Sure. But he was. And so yeah, it took two was. people to, yeah, it took two people to make his escape possible. It wasn't that he was so great necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so, this is a, this is a read that I have on a bunch of, of, action movies which is that the the bad guy always seems to have like infinite knowledge and resources right and, right and it's you know there's this it's a trope of cinema that bad guys are like incredibly smart incredibly rich incredibly ahead of the game right and the yeah truth that's, that's a very uh james bondy thing right it's a very james bondy thing and the truth is in real life criminals are kind of idiots you know like they 
no, it's this is true. Like the, the criminals make mistakes all the time. That's it's how they get caught. Right. Um, right. And, you know, good guys make mistakes all the time. And, and you know, but like people. He, People are people, right? And and so I, I always get a little frustrated with any movie that relies too heavily on, like, the hyper-competence of the bad guys or the good guys or anything. Like, I, you know, I, it's not that I necessarily want to see them fail, but when they do things that are just patently impossible, it, I, I, it, it bothers me because people can't do things that are patently impossible, you know? Uh Right. You know, like Which he, I don't think I don't think we had that problem with this movie. He instantly deduces that that Tom Cruise has a wife and that he, you know, like like without without I mean Ethan Hunt doesn't give anything away in that scene and all of a sudden he just he knows like, "Oh, you've got a special someone and I'm going to kill her in front of you." You know, he doesn't. He just is. Well, no, I, I, I I'm going to push back on that if you watch it closely, oh, uh, because man. he he's fishing at first. Right. And he says, do you have do you have do you have a special someone? Do you have a do you have a wife, a, a girlfriend, whatever? He's fishing. Right. And that's just playing the odds. Chances are, you know, a, a handsome person like Ethan Hunt is going to have a, a, a someone special in his life. And um, and but like he gives a little bit of a of a little bit of a flinch, you know, when he, when he, when he says it and just enough. So someone who is like, you know, in tuned with human responses or whatever could, could, I mean, could say, I, oh, okay, chances are you have someone. Well, if you do, and what he doesn't say is if, yeah. but he said, you know, his yeah. next line is if, yeah. well, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to harp on that or anything. It's just the, like that hyper competence thing always, you know, it always gets me. So, uh, what else? What else do I want to talk about? I don't know what else I want to talk about. Well, like those I the, want to talk about the, big... the rabbit's foot, which I thought was this is a movie that is a quintessential example of the MacGuffin, right? Uh, which is a which is a cinema term that was coined by um, Alfred Hitchcock, basically about a plot device that could that is inconsequential to the story, except that it drives the story, but it could be replaced by anything in the world. And the story would still work. And so, um, interesting examples of this uh, are things like the uh, the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones. Things that it could be just anything that they're after. And this one is so blatant because it is named. It is. It is. It, it is. Everybody's after the rabbit's foot, and um, and they even find the rabbit's foot. They they get what they think is the rabbit's foot, but. Even at some points in the story, someone's like, uh, "What? What is the rabbit's foot? I don't know what the rabbit's foot is, but anytime I, you know, I, I imagine it's probably this." And you kind of, one of the characters is like, "Yeah, I, I figure it's probably a world-ending something or other." And uh, but he's like, "I'm just guessing." And at yeah. the end, even Eth, uh, the 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 FBI or the IMF boss asks Ethan to stay once everything is shaken and he's, you know, revealed to be a hero. And he goes, uh, stay. And Ethan's like, I'll stay if you, uh, I'll promise to stay if you tell me what the rabbit's foot is. And uh, he's like, well, we'll see. And it's like, ah, that's, I, I don't know. I really, it, they really play with the concept of a, of, a, of a MacGuffin in a way that to me as a cinemaphile was delightful. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, hmm. You don't feel like it's fourth wall breaking to to do that? No, no, no. It's more of a it's more of a it's a slightly meta 
um thing but i don't think it was i don't think it was fourth wall breaking at all maybe maybe just kind of brushing up against the fourth wall a bit just to say we know but it was done very deliberately like the whole the idea of a MacGuffin in 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 this context is not an accidental thing it's a it's a very like you know on purpose uh, yeah piece of writing Ooh, i remember what i want to talk about so okay so okay? yeah i mean the rabbit's foot yeah you know like i didn't i wasn't offended by the idea of the MacGuffin, but i didn't take any joy out of them playing with the idea of it either um I, the thing that bothered me it starts at a very crucial moment of the interaction between tom cruise and philip seymour hoffman yeah yeah and there it's a very intense interrogation scene philip seymour hoffman's threatening to kill uh ethan's wife and i didn't feel like the movie needed that at all right like sometimes sometimes a like a netflix show that's like eight episodes will start with something that's like really super intense and then one week earlier and then you you, the the joy of the show is like watching how we got to that point right but I didn't wonder how we got to that point. Philip Seymour Hoffman's a bad guy. He wants the thing. Tom, you know, Tom Cruise is, you know, like it didn't feel like I didn't feel like the movie really got anything out of that scene. It wasn't. So I feel like that particular um, filmmaking trick is really it's useful for movies that don't have like a lot going on in the first 45 minutes, right? Where that's like, it's all scene setting and relationship building and so forth. Right. Mission impossible. An action scene. Mission impossible is like action scene, action scene, action scene, three, three very carefully chosen lines of exposition action scene, right? Like this is not a movie that takes a long rest at any point. Right. Um, No, I'll give you that. And then, and, but uh, they do start a little bit slower with the, with the whole party and the engagement party and all that stuff. And, um, and I think it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I, 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 now that you say it, I can see that it's not necessary, but I liked it. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just I think there's probably a pretty good cut of this movie that doesn't include that, you know. Maybe I you do. I was it did it did remind me of uh, some of the interesting foreshadowing that is used, uh, which I really liked. Like um like in the scene with first of all, I love the engagement party scene. I think it's so great, and like Tom Cruise pretending to be into traffic, and uh, or his character like you know, but genuinely selling it so well that like uh and there's this perfect moment where the three people he's talking to are a man and two women and the man go the man uh, just kind of like snore yawns like and the women are both i would marry him and it's just a great just a little tidbit but then there's a moment where um where tom cruise's fiance and or ethan's fiance is uh is talking with her girlfriends and they're talking about something and the way they show that ethan hunt can read lips because he's just kind of watching yeah. them across the room. And then they yeah. just kind of do a close-up of her lips. And she says something like, oh, what was the name of that lake? And he pokes his head around the corner and says, oh, Lake Winaka yeah. or whatever. And they're like, how did you hear that? Yeah. And, and But that is a cool moment in itself. But then later on, it becomes kind of a crucial moment um, in the movie. And yeah. I just... Yeah, no, that party it was well crafted, I think. Yeah, well, and I guess that's kind of what I was getting at a little bit of with my joke about three carefully crafted lines of exposition is like 
every scene in this movie does work and i appreciate that yes like it mm-hmm. they're, they're included because they're doing work you know right um, nothing wasted yeah yeah nothing wasted and that's a and tough thing to do it is um and the you know the action sequences don't feel over long and they feel um one of the things that i don't like so if i were to go back to another favorite of yours through this uh, into the spider-verse a lot of the action scenes in that movie i couldn't tell what was going on it felt like a mm. series of images that look cool in isolation but didn't tell a story to me and all of the action scenes in mission impossible 3 tell me a story i can understand where people are i can understand what they're trying to do You know, it doesn't feel like explosions are happening for explosions sake. They're happening because, you know, somebody shot at something explosive. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I liked it. Uh, It had very interesting. It has its things that I um, didn't dig, you know, that I that I that bothered me during like if something bothers me afterwards well you know something bothered me afterwards but if a movie carries me through without uh without complaining too much that that means something to me so are there things that i guess the good question about that would be are there things that still bug you about it well i mean yeah like the things that i've been talking about okay on on the podcast like they do like I'm not over it, right? I just, I just keep trying to tamp that part of my brain down. It's an impossible, it's an impossible mission, Matt. Okay. It's impossible. Okay, great. Okay. <laughs> Good. So. Well, uh, this, uh, for the for the record, it, uh, yeah, it was 150 million dollars. Although Wikipedia says the budget was 150 to 186 million, so I don't know if they're like including marketing or whatever that. It's probably but, um, marketing. Or if 35... it went over budget. Thirty-five million is pretty classic uh, marketing. Budget. Usually, about half the budget is what they say. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, and then it pulled in uh, kind of a what seems paltry is three hundred and ninety-eight million, so about four hundred million dollars, which for a Mission Impossible movie seems pretty low. But I think that was on top of a uh, a really underwhelming performance from Part Two, which I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and rate uh, Mission Impossible Three. What do you think I'm going to give it? I think you're gonna. Uh, I would. I would guess, given your given your lead up, I would guess you're gonna put it as a uh, as a six. Ah, no, you're wrong. It's I a hope seven. Seven. Yeah. Seven. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And 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 I, I, I just didn't want to go above. Like when someone says, "How much do you think this cost?" You don't want to be like. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, seven and lean, leaning towards an eight. I I'm feel pretty comfortable that it lands really? at seven but like it's a, a, a seven plus no i'm not gonna do it i'm giving whole number ratings it's a seven it's, but okay but if you but if you forced me to choose between an eight or a six if an eight or a six were my only two options i would say eight. but it's a but it's wow yeah. nice yeah so it's nice a that's interesting because i think it's firmly an eight for me uh maybe i don't even know what i rated it but uh because yeah it's uh i the, you know what? Gosh, especially after rewatching it, I enjoyed just about every moment of rewatching this movie. I laughed. I was still surprised by things. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a nine. I okay. Think I'll go for a nine. Okay. Now we all we'll average out to an eight. How about that? Yeah, that that works. That works. 
All right, excellent. Well, shoot, let's talk about uh, X Ambassadors, which yeah. I have wrestled with this name several times over the last uh, over the last week, as I've been trying to tell people what I'm listening to. <laughs> I, like, I kept on saying X Presidents, and I was like, I, it's not nope, that. It's, it's not, not that. Um, X Ambassadors, Congressman. X. Yeah. So X Ambassadors is. Uh, I would say they. Oh man, I don't, I don't even remember what description I give of this. It's rock music, and then you can you can break stadium down stadium rock is what you called it. Stadium rock, I think, is a good good thing for it. It's it's intended to be sung along with fifteen thousand of your closest friends. It's mm-hmm. big, uh, emotion filled music. Uh, I like it. I like it. What do you think? Uh, why do you like it? I want to know that first. Well, oh, why do I like it? Um, I don't know. I, I like it because it's fun to sing along with things, and it's fun to feel big emotions sometimes. There's no irony in this music at all. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. Um, so I had an interesting uh, experience with this with this playlist that was not the first time I've had this experience on this podcast. Uh, as I was listening to it again yesterday to kind of refresh myself, I had the sense that I was very familiar with some of these songs. And I didn't know if it's because I had listened to it uh, once before, I think one and a half times before, because we had two weeks, so I wanted to listen to it an extra time. And I didn't know if it was because I'd listened to it that I was familiar with these songs or if I was pre-familiar with these songs. But I didn't remember feeling familiar the first time, okay. but I didn't know. So that was my that was what I was going through. Um and uh, I will say that I also had a, uh, it reminded me of something else experience. And I'll talk about that in a bit. But first, this playlist, I agree that it was banging. It was a uh, intense, like, musical experience. I didn't enjoy listening to it. Um they do a lot of that thing where it sounds like you're listening to it through a broken speaker hmm. and where where you get that rattle in the sound in the drums or in the or in the whatever like percussion that they're using and um it 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 was worse the first time i listened to it maybe not as bad the second time and possibly it wouldn't be as bad the third time but it reminded me of an of an audio toothache like I felt like I had like I was gonna say oral toothache, but that sounds too much like oral. And I meant to say oral, oral, a u r l. It was an oral toothache. That's a that's a but, tough one um, for us Midwesterners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but it it just I, I I it was grating to me to listen to, and um it, it just wasn't super enjoyable, Do especially you... in headphones. Yeah, I was going to say, did you listen to this on, like, AirPods? I always listen with headphones. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I think that might be uh, this this playlist's undoing Yeah, you me. might need and, something um, with a better bass response for, for this one. I don't know if I want better bass, because mm-hmm. I, uh, I think most of that shaking, rattling thing was in the bass uh, that I was, you know, that you're hearing. Or, or maybe they're trying to simulate a bass response in the uh in the playback so that you yeah. can kind of get that same like boom, yeah. boom, boom feeling yeah. um I, I did i didn't enjoy that uh but it reminded me very much of uh imagine dragons who i don't mm-hmm. know super well yeah. yeah but i i was like this song sounds like an imagine dragons song 
And yeah. I remember liking a couple of their songs back in like 2014, 20. Yeah. Something. Yeah. No, X ambassadors very much was riding a wave of like, you know, so the record industry is like every industry, right? When somebody gets really huge, they try to sign a bunch of bands that sound like them. And, and I think X ambassadors does sound a fair bit like imagine dragons, although I like their songwriting better. Um, hmm. And so they, this this album was definitely like uh, on that wave of here are some more bands that are like that, right? So that's interesting. That's a, so which that's, came first? That's Imagine Dragons. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. And I personally, uh, so I went and listened to some Imagine Dragons, uh, like a whole. I've I just loaded up their Apple TV or not Apple, uh, their YouTube music page and listened to the first. I don't know six or seven songs. Wow, Travis, I doing know. Research. Look at me, how I'm growing. Uh, but, and I, and I will say I liked Imagine Dragons better. Uh, you know, I thought I, I liked their singing better and their yeah. songs better. I can't speak to their songwriting mm -hmm. as well as you can, yeah. but, um, but I liked the music better and it okay. was easier to listen to Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, they're, they're, uh, I like Imagine Dragons a lot. Uh, saying that I like X Ambassadors better is not in any way a, uh, a read on imagine yeah. dragons um and i'm i'm glad to hear that you like them because i had thought about assigning them to you uh but now i don't need to yeah yeah i thought about that too when you were when we were um when i was listening to him and i was like oh uh, am i taking away my moment my opportunity to experience this for the first time and talk about it but uh, uh <laughs> whatever i'll give imagine dragons an eight <laughs> 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 Uh, but, uh, I'll, I'll, so I think my, my rating for this, uh, band is going to be much, um, more muted. Uh, I didn't dislike it and I will give the option to, um, uh, listen to it again someday over speakers. Maybe I'll put it on at the party next party I host or game let, night or something. Let me ask you this. Um, so there is, uh, there's a couple of slow songs. Did those resonate mm -hmm. for you at all? Uh, given um, that they're, they're not as they heavy, are. they're not as heavy on the, on the bass. Um, let's see. I was going to think, uh, low life or un unsteady, especially or gorgeous, I believe. No, no. It's unsteady. Do you, do you remember unsteady? Let me, let me play a little bit of it and yeah, just go for it. refresh myself here. Yeah. Okay. So I'll say that unsteady was one of those songs where uh, it felt very familiar. And even listening to it now, I'm like, I've probably heard this at some point. Um, you mentioned that they use a lot of their songs on, you know, advertisements or TV yeah. or whatever. Um, but after that 30 second intro, which is really kind of beautiful and I love the singing and I like, but they started with that, that, oh, that, okay. that rattly, that rattly instrument. Um, I that think it sounds so grating yeah, to me. I think it's sub bass, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's an on purpose uh, production thing that mm -hmm. they do to the yeah. song. That's not. It's not a bass thing. It's a. It's they. It's like when they used to. Um. When in the eighties, when they discovered that, uh, that drum that they. There's a very specific eighties drum sound mm -hmm. that yeah. a lot of. Uh, this is sounds like this very specific mid teens, you know, mm -hmm. mid two thousand teens yeah. sound that probably has fallen out of favor i don't know but um, i think you're i, I think you like were it. uh your original uh instinct was right that it is a distorted drum sound i think that's a mm. layer of distortion added onto the drums yes yes yeah. yeah but it sounds to me it's it's and i don't mind distortion 
in a creative way uh, on the face of it. But it sounds to me like this is a speaker that is loose. You know, okay. that's you know when you you've we've all had broken speakers that yeah. we've listened to music through, and that's what this reminds me of. And uh, it was not a sound that was comforting. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I know we're a little tight on time this time. What what rating would you give this? Um, I'll give it a I'll give it a I'll give it a a five. Um, okay. And let's call this a uh, let's call this a uh, what did we say before? We have a, a, a not a qualified a a, a temporary five a uh, yeah. We used a word for it before. Um, yeah, you couldn't remember the word that time. Preliminary either. five. I know I couldn't remember that time either. Uh, <laughs> provisional. I, I should, provisional. A provisional five. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what it is. Uh, I'll give this a provisional five, um, bearing future listenings. All right, cool. Well, I I would say this is a seven for me. I like Am- X Ambassadors a lot. I think when I introduced it last week, I I did tell you my wife likes this better than I do. But I have seen them live a couple of times. They're a fun live show. Uh, I'll yeah. bet. I'll bet it is yeah. really interesting live uh, yeah. because uh, part of that 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 audio artifact distortion that I don't like probably wouldn't carry very well over yeah. a arena. Yeah. 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 So. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, what, what do you got for me next week? Do you know? Yes, I do. Next week, uh, have you ever, I'm pretty sure the answer to this is no, but have you ever heard of Borns? No. Okay. Borns is a singer-songwriter that does sort of a electronic alternative music. He has a very beautiful falsetto, and he uses it to excellent effect on his debut album, which is called Dopamine. Oh, um, so it's a it's a it's like a solo guy. Uh, yes, yeah. I don't know what with Borns, a plural name. Yeah, I don't know what Borns means to be honest with you. <laughs> it's got like the the O has a diacritic mark that's maybe a Swedish diacritic. I'm not really okay. sure. Oh, but Swedish. It, okay, yeah, I've got something to tell I, you. I think he's an American. I don't, you know. Okay, sure. He's just being he's just being creative. Yeah, so uh, the album Dopamine from Borns, and I'll drop the playlist in our. Ooh, I'm listening to an actual album. Uh, This is an actual album, yep. Nice. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I want to give you a uh, a comedy um, to go back to, kind of like a like a a palate cleanser. And I I have I've said in the past that I have not liked a lot of recent comedies, and um and and then I started to think of some, and I was like, well, that's that's not true at all. I like I like. Some very good comedies. Uh, so uh, I, I think what I'm going to do is, um, I don't know if this is something you will have seen, but uh, I want to assign you a movie. Whoa, his face I'm you're excited. making at me. I'm excited. I want to assign you a movie called Easy A. Have you ever Have you heard of it? <gasps> I haven't seen it, but I've been meaning to watch it. Emma Stone? Emma Stone, yeah. Kind Emma of her Stone. breakout role. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an adaptation of uh, The Scarlet Letter, but made for modern uh, teens. And it's kind of delightful. It's 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 almost like a, a, a spiritual successor to Mean Girls. Have you seen Mean okay. Girls? I have oh. seen Mean Girls, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So this is kind of like... Uh, I'll take that off my list then. Um, but I, uh, it's it's almost a, a, a follow-up to that. A different director and everything, but um, has that same like high school, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, kids who talk a little bit more intelligently than they actually are. You've right. got the gay friend. You've yeah. got like that same kind of setup. Um, and uh, but what I really love is her parents, uh, okay. who, who are played by um, uh, 
oh, take this out because I can't remember, but I love her parents. And awesome. um, so I think you'll like it. We'll talk more about them and the movie next week. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to use take this out because I can't remember as the pull quote for this album or for this episode. I would never do that There are any number you. of instances where I can't remember something in this podcast. <laughs> we could do, do a compilation, like a bonus episode that's just a compilation. Oh, of, of all the things I can't remember. That would be a five hour long podcast. I don't have notes in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, Matt. Well, Travis, thank you for exposing yourself to me. Thank you very much for exposing yourself to me. It's been joyful as always. Yeah, it sure has. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Take this out because I can't remember.